0: Powered Power. by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 188. I'm your host, Paul Reichoff. Fall is coming, which means winter is coming. And it's shaping up to be a brutal one. But before winter comes, there's a midterm election. There's more January 6th developments by the day. There's an economy that's getting tougher and tougher. But on the other side of the world, there's light. There's hope. There's promise. And as fall approaches, this is still a time to stay vigilant. 11 вересня ми знаходимося у нашому рідному That's the sound of freedom. That's the sound of Ukrainian troops being greeted by locals across the northern region of Kharkiv, an area that's been held by Russia and is now free. Liberated from tyranny by their own sons and daughters. On September 11th, freedom is on the march in Ukraine, and Russia is on the run. At the end of that clip, that Storhachy district mayor and Ukrainian soldier, Vyacheslav Zadorenko, and the translation is Today is September 11th. We are in our dear home, the village of Kosacha Lapan. This is how the locals meet us. Kosacha is and will be Ukraine. Videos like this are all over social media right now, showing the blazing advance by Ukrainian forces to liberate huge amounts of territory in the northern region of Kharkiv. This is undoubtedly Ukraine's biggest victory since the war started back in February. A victory that I said was possible from the beginning. I said it on this show. Others said it on this show too. Matt Gallagher, Quan Nguyen, Adrian Bonnenberger, Malcolm Nance, Nolan Peterson. If you've listened to this show from the start of the Ukraine war, you are not at all surprised that Ukraine is winning. Our creative director at Righteous Media And my partner in creating this show, Chris Rosenthal, noted it on Twitter this week. We at Independent Americans have been way ahead most other political shows on COVID, Afghanistan, Trump refusing to leave and January 6th, the domestic terrorism threat, and Ukraine's chances to beat Russia. And we'll be way ahead of other shows for whatever comes next, which of course includes the rise of independence in America. Other shows cover what's happening, we cover what's next, and we'll do it again in this episode with our guest, a returning champion, a leader who wants you as an independent American to join her and Andrew Yang, David Jolly, and other former partisans in a new venture. More on that in a minute, but first, speaking of what's next, stakes is high. Time, if talking about- the first national railroad strike in 30 years could start on early friday negotiations are ongoing between unions and railroad companies and if they don't come to an agreement the trains in america will stop running literally amtrak has already canceled all long distance trains as this freight rail strike looms just when we thought we had enough problems in america Here comes a new one. On top of skyrocketing inflation, this could send our economy into freefall. Prices for consumer goods would skyrocket and threaten basic necessities like food, water, power, and probably push the entire U.S. economy into recession just as the midterm elections arrive. Great. Now, I'm sure our functional, rational, thoughtful, helpful political system will sort it out right away. The reasonable Republicans and the decent Democrats will sit down and plug this wound before it blows wide open. Dude, don't hold your breath on that one. Because silly season is here. It's less than two months until the midterm elections. And it is on. Politicians are doing all kinds of crazy shit. South Carolina Republican Senator and sellout in chief Lindsey Graham this week introduced a national abortion ban bill because that's really what we need in America right now. And in an attempt to outstupid the stupid, after Texas Governor Greg Abbott started shipping busloads of undocumented migrants to so called sanctuary cities like New York and Chicago and DC, you'd think things couldn't get dumber. Since April, Texas Governor Abbott has bused over 7,600 migrants to Washington, D.C., which is now declared a public emergency. This includes kids and lots of other people that are just being used as political props. But this week, just when you think things can't get stupider, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis steps in, looking to out-Trump Greg Abbott, DeSantis sent two planes of undocumented migrants to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts on Wednesday. That's the fancy place in Massachusetts that the Obamas and other rich people and influentials spend parts of their summer. The stupid is back in full force this fall. And it's more contagious than COVID, monkeypox, the flu, and cooties combined. And it is everywhere. But thankfully, we have escapes. Now that fall is here, football is finally back. F1 racing is back. Baseball is back at fever pitch. And Aaron Judge hit two home runs last night against the Red Sox and is on pace to break Roger Maris' home run record and maybe even the all time record. There's the new Game of Thrones show. Handmaid's Tale is back with a new season. And maybe most of all, Ukraine is kicking ass. The best break from the stupid, the best reality TV show in the world is the reality of the Ukraine war. And Ukraine is on the march. Reminding America and the world this fall What fighting for freedom really looks like. And what the stakes are if you fail. Every day, more videos, more reports, more captured Russian tanks, more Russian troops fleeing, more U.S. weapons flooding in, and more good news stories coming out, including some very personal ones. Including ones impacting the people who have been on this show. Adrian Bonnenberger and his wife... Iriana, Solomenko, Bonnenberger, joined me on episode 169 of this show a couple of months ago to share the story of how Adrian's in-laws got out of Ukraine when the invasion started and fled to America. I think it's one of the most important and interesting episodes we've done. And this week, Adrian shared some really good news on Twitter. This is what he wrote. Small personal update. My in-laws returned to Kiev in the beginning of August. Our house was and is open to them, but they wanted home, wanted their apartment. This was made possible by Ukraine's military, which foiled Russia's attack on Kiev and U.S. European arms shipments. Many intelligent people who would otherwise know better say ridiculous things about the war. They have bizarre or unsubstantiated opinions about Ukraine refugees and can't imagine what it means to face annihilation during an invasion, to have tanks outside their homes. Many people can't imagine how simple, pure, and good it is that the U.S. and Europe are helping Ukrainians who are strong enough to fight and offering shelter that is in many cases temporary to those who can't fight or are unsuited to war. I've heard terms like a bad peace is better than a good war and even thought that made sense. It doesn't. There's no such thing as a good war. There are necessary wars and unnecessary wars, and Ukraine's defense against Russia's invasion is necessary. Adrian continued My in laws and friends and family want peace more than anything. It is impossible for them or for Ukraine's massive population of IDPs, internally displaced people, until Russia's invasion is routed from Ukraine. There's no such thing as bad peace or good peace or any peace. Until Russia is gone. I experienced a small version of that when I lived in Ukraine, between 2015 and 2017, when everyone worried about Russia's constant threats to bomb Kiev or nuke Ukraine, or all the other things one hears. It makes one crazy. One can't plan for the future. It's its own type of war. Since February, anyone with a finger in Ukraine has had sleepless nights, long days and great grief. With occasional moments of excitement, such as with the recent rout of Russian forces from Kharkiv, but no peace. Every Ukrainian who has been separated from their home, whether that home is Kiev, Kharkiv, or Luhansk, deserves to be returned to it, deserves to live in peace. This peace is impossible while Russia prosecutes its eight-year-long war on Ukraine. That's Adrian Bonnenberg. The good news is, Ukraine is on the march, Russia is on the run, and Adrian's in-laws are back home. It's good news, after so much bad, and provides hope. Because hope is fueling the fight in Ukraine. And hope is the oxygen of democracy. And there's more good news related to stuff we've covered on this show. Last week, the Department of Veterans Affairs announced that it's set to offer abortion services to veterans in cases of rape, incest, and pregnancies that endanger the life of a woman. These procedures could take place at medical centers, even where abortion is outlawed. This was a priority for Operation Liberty. The program that I helped launch a couple of months ago with Allison Jaslow and a recent guest on this show, Marine fighter pilot vet Amy McGrath. This move from VA is why we launched Operation Liberty and what we've been fighting for. We knew this was possible at the VA and good for women veterans, for our national security, and for all Americans. And you know I'm an independent, but props to President Biden and Secretary of Veterans Affairs Dennis McDonough for listening and making it happen. But even more so, huge props and thanks to Amy McGrath and to Allison Jaslow and many other guests you've heard on this show, including Kristen Rouse, Lindsey Church, and so many other advocates who pushed the president and the secretary of VA in public and private to make this happen. It's not enough, but it's historic and it will save the lives of veterans. And it's that much more important this week because Lindsey Graham... Senator, U.S. Air Force reservist, and noted sellout introduced his national abortion ban legislation. We've covered it on this show. This issue is more than about social divides. It's more than about politics. It's more than even about health care. Like so many other things that people don't often consider, this is about the soul of America. And this is about national security. And if you want more proof of that, Defense One reported this week that there is now no abortion access for 40% of female troops in the United States military. There's a new RAND study, and RAND says it's not unreasonable that the lack of abortion access will make women more likely to leave military service. Since the Dobbs decision, More than a dozen states have acted to ban or severely restrict access to abortion services, including several states with large military bases like Texas and Georgia. Rand estimates that 450,000 active duty troops right now live in a state that bans abortion or has plans to restrict access to abortion services. Of those, 80,000 are women. Although male troops who live in states with abortion bans, as well as their spouses and children, could also be affected by these laws. That means 40% of active duty female troops in the U.S. will have no or severely restricted access to abortion services where they are stationed. Make no mistake, this is bad for military recruiting. It's bad for retention. It's bad for morale. It's bad for women. It's bad for military women. It's bad for all Americans. And this is why so many independent Americans are fighting back. It's why Amy McGrath, Allison Jaslow, and I launched Operation Liberty and why so many of you have supported it. So if you haven't already, check out OperationLiberty.us, learn more, and join the fight. And be sure to check out episode 178 with Amy McGrath. Another quick update, Iraq veteran Pat Ryan was sworn into Congress this week. After his historic special election victory last month, He went down to Washington along with his family, his wife, and two kids, and this week was sworn in as a member of Congress. He joined us just a couple weeks ago in episode 186. If you took a break from this show this summer, go back and check it out. We talked about how Pat ran a campaign that is a playbook for how to connect with independent Americans. One more quick update. This one regarding the name that is at the top of everyone's mind right now if you're interested in independent politics, Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang, who has still never been on this show and that has spawned the hashtag where is Yang and my use of this song. Here's the news. I finally have a new date from Andrew Yang's team on the books November 30th. On November 30th, I am scheduled to record an interview with Andrew Yang, and I'll bring it to you right afterward. I definitely wish it was earlier and before the election, but I look forward to it nonetheless. Our pod has an audience that is eager to go deeper on the Forward Party for sure, and in particular with Andrew Yang. So, We'll have to wait for as long as two months from now for Andrew Yang. But we won't have to wait that long to go deeper into the Forward Party with one of its key leaders. A leader who's been in the public eye for decades, has built a career around reaching moderates and independents, and is a new co founder of the Forward Party, along with Andrew Yang and former GOP Congressman from Florida, David Jolly. She's the first woman in history elected as Governor of New Jersey, the first challenger to beat an incumbent governor of New Jersey since the adoption of the 1947 state Constitution. She went into New Jersey's State House as only the 13th woman governor in history. She went on to become the former head of the EPA and has been a fixture in Republican politics for decades. And she's back here on independent Americans again. Governor Christine Todd Whip. Don't stop stop your dreaming.
1: Yourself upon
0: Governor Todd Whitman joined us way back in episode 79 two years ago, October 2020. It was right after the first debate between Trump and Biden that was a disgusting mess. We talked about the state of affairs in America. We talked about the future of the Republican Party if Trump won or if Trump lost. We talked about her upbringing and her rise in politics. We talked about her roots. and We talked about grandparenting in a pandemic. And we talked about 9-11. Two years later, a lot has changed, including her role in politics. Two years ago, I asked her whether she and others would remain Republicans if Trump won, and what the future of the party could look like if he didn't. Now, we know. We'll go deeper into the forward party. Why did she join it? Is she still a Republican? Can she do a better job of communicating what the hell it is than Andrew Yang? Will the forward party nominate or support a candidate for president in 2024? Why is the solution to two parties another party? We'll talk about ranked choice voting. We'll talk about nonpartisan primaries. We'll talk about independent redistricting commissions. And we'll talk about Ukraine, Trump, abortion, and 9-11 21 years later. This pod has led the way on national security veterans and first responders issues. And as a 9-11 first responder myself, I asked Christy Todd Whitman a few years ago what her message was for dying heroes after she and the EPA told them the air was clear on 9-11. Two years later, I'll ask her again. And here in the present, we'll talk about where their third party fits in. You'll hear what she says. But it's hard to not feel like they harbor a desire to replace the Republican Party, which will inevitably lead to conflict with Yang's progressive wing, especially if her and Jolly and Taylor feature as prominently as they are. Can they make it happen? Can they make it work? Can they work it out? Don't stop, stop your dream and let yourself run. Can they work it out? And can they get you to join them? We shall see. Welcome to another look into the dynamic and evolving world of independent politics. Welcome to a conversation with another leader that wants your vote, wants your time, wants your loyalty, and in some levels, wants your independence. Welcome to the first of many deep dives into the Forward Party with one of its founders, Welcome to finding out if they can work it out. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 188. gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. Fall is here. We are back deep into it. Politics is going sideways, up and down, and it's going forward. And we're going to talk about that with a returning champion, uh, a true trailblazer, uh, a real legend in the political space, uh, and, and a person that provides valuable insight, especially in times like this. I am very proud to welcome back to the program, Governor Chris Todd Whitman. Welcome back to Independent Americans, ma'am. It's great to be back with you, Paul. So um, you're actually, if you're in New Jersey, you're out my window that way. So I am back in, in lower Manhattan. I can see New Jersey from my window. Uh, I'm thrilled to talk to you, especially right now. Uh, I hope we can get into Ukraine and Lindsey Graham's latest antics, the forward party, and much more. Um, but just to, to level set a question I ask of everyone. It's been two years since you were on the program. Great to have you back. Where are you and how are you?
1: I am in New Jersey on the farm on which I grew up and fortunately, knock on wood,
0: I'm well. <laughs> the uh, the the last time we spoke, you gave a really good insight into, into life on the farm and, and this phase of your life. Is it is it nice to be out of politics and out of New Jersey and tri-state area politics, especially in times like this?
1: <laughs> I wish I could say I were out of politics, but I'm not <laughs> because I'm one of the uh, co-chairs now of the Forward Party, and I also co-chair something called the States United Democracy Center, where we're working really hard to connect uh, secretaries of states, uh, state's attorneys generals, and and governors to help them fight back against some of these uh, spurious laws that are trying to be passed. We're working with law enforcement to help them know what they can do to protect people at the polls and poll workers, what poll workers and what poll watchers are allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, and where law enforcement can protect people because the death threats that people have been getting are just outrageous just for doing their job, just for manning the polls. So, we're doing a lot of work in that area, and then, of course, the forward party is uh, focused on giving people a, a choice, something other than one of the two
0: major parties. I'm looking forward to digging into that because our audience is is so deep with independence, and I think often they're categorized simply as moderates. And one way I've tried to frame it is uh, maybe a, a binding tissue for all of them is none of the above. they're They're dissatisfied. Yeah. with the the duopoly and the status quo. But before we get to that, a couple of of breaking news items. You know, you've been a real leader on so many issues. Last night, Lindsey Graham introduces a a national abortion ban. Uh, Can I get your immediate reactions, please?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, it was on the heels of a very bad day for the Biden administration, given the the numbers that we are seeing on, on inflation and what the stock market did. And all of a sudden, That's off the front pages and off the news. And it goes to Lindsey Graham, who is someone who I believe lost all sense of direction in his moorings when John McCain died. I mean, he prides himself. He's said several times, you know, I'm very consistent in my positions. And yet you have him on tape not that long ago saying that the issues of things like abortion should be left to the states. Now he's proposing a 15 week ban, which is dividing Republicans. It's he's not helping the party. Maybe we should say that.
0: Mm. It feels like a lot of people lost their core uh, in in the last few years. And, and uh, many of us wish that, you know, the ghost of John McCain was around to help guide people or, or keep them in check. Um, but with the way the Republican Party is in some ways disintegrating, fragmenting, uh, uniting in, in other ways, um, can you talk about, you know, as a, as a moderate Republican, we've had Chuck Hagel and so many others on this show. Um, what, how do you feel now as a Republican and in, in the context also of, of President Biden's speech really coming after extremism, coming after Trump? One thing I was critical of was his linkage of MAGA Republicans. I thought he could have said MAGAists. He could have said Trumpists. He could have been more specific in his mm-hmm. language. And I we kind of framed it as a, as a wartime speech. If you're going to give a wartime right. speech, you have to be precise and you have to be exact. And I felt like he wasn't. How did you feel about that coupling of MAGA and Republican and and the state of moderate Republicans right now in in general? Well, I mean, it's understandable because uh, there
1: isn't a Republican Party to my mind. There's a cult that calls itself Republican. When they didn't adopt a platform at the 2020 convention, They basically said there is there are no issues. There's nothing we stand for cohesively. There's no central core of principles that in which we believe, and so whatever Donald Trump says us is, is our position, and that's our position. And that's not a party. That's not a viable party. So I've watched the Republican Party, quote unquote, just dissolve really in many ways. Although they keep holding on to the name, and unfortunately, Donald Trump does control all the levers of the party itself and in Washington and in so many of the states. And it's a. I believe deep down that our country does best with two parties, a center left and a center right, but not two extremes. The duopoly we mm. have now, you know, there are 500,000 races, elected positions across the country. 2020, 70 percent of those run contested, 70 mm. percent. Um, that's just wrong. People should have a choice. They should have a choice uh, whether you like it or not, Um, you know, what those choices are. But it's just wrong to have only one person as your candidate in so many positions and all up and down the ballot. That's what's so so really wrong with the system. So that's really what forward party is focusing on. That's where we want to to spend our time. We're working at the grassroots on up. We want to be on the ballot in 15 states by the end of this year, 30 by the end of next year, and all of them by 2024 or 2025. But we're not focused just on the presidency. And we're we're different than most parties in that we will support a Republican or Democratic or Independent if they stand with us to protect our democracy and the rule of law. They believe in economic opportunity for everyone, but they'll also do two other things that they will either support or if they're in a position to drop a bill on, and that is open primaries and ranked choice voting. Because we believe very strongly, and I do as well, that that's the only way to give people a choice. I mean, even if you live in a red or a blue district for congressional races, many people don't bother to vote because they said, my vote's gonna, gonna make a difference. But if it's an open primary ranked choice voting, then it does make a difference because who's your number two, your number three, even of those who are dug in as always voting Republican or always voting Democrat. So that, those are the things for which we stand and, and where we're trying to make a difference and offer people that choice that they really deserve.
0: I appreciate you laying that out because candidly, I think you're more clear in what the party stands for than I've heard from other spokespeople on behalf of the forward party. I, re- I really do think that, that there's a challenge here. And Andrew Yang's coming on the show. He's told me November 30th, I look forward to that. I, I wanna come to the back to the forward party, but we do have a really big focus on national security and defense. It's something sure. you've had a great history and understanding of. I don't wanna have you on the show without talking about Ukraine and building on the last question, really asking you, with this more radical Republican party, Ukraine's on a roll. Putin's on the run. Um, Now it's clear that Ukraine can not only defend Ukraine, but defeat Russia. And this may go, you know, in in the other direction. But there's a question of whether or not we can count on certain members of the Senate to support an ongoing effort in Ukraine. There have been, you know, 10 or 12 uh, Republican senators who voted consistently no against Republican funding. Um, Do you think they will continue to hold out? And as you work on that reform, we've still got to deal with these elected officials like Lindsey Graham and others um, do you think they will they, they, they will stop support for Ukraine as this continues? And, and and what's your assessment of that political dynamic in Washington that impacts Kiev and everywhere else over there?
1: Well, I certainly hope that people understand that's why these elections in October are so important. Uh, Ukraine is fighting for all of us. Ukraine is fighting for Europe and it's fighting for all of us. If they lose, if Putin takes over Ukraine, then he's not going to stop there. He wants to recreate the Soviet Union. And we're going to be in a real world war if we let this go. And Ukrainians have been extraordinary. I mean, we've been giving them money and missiles and equipment. They've learned how to use them. I mean, these are things that they, that technology that they've been receiving is technology that they haven't had access to before. And they've learned how to use it in a nanosecond, which is really extraordinary if you talk to military personnel and how fast they've come up the learning curve on that and be able to use them. And I think I don't remember whether we talked about it before, but I was in Ukraine in 2014 when for a pre-election observation mission, when it was still basically under the thumb of Russia. And I've never been to a more depressed, um, sort of sad country Then I was back in 2020 after um, Zelensky had been elected. It was totally different, a completely different country. Uh, People were out in the street, there were young people, old people, the cafes were open. There was a whole different attitude. This was their country and they really felt they had it back and they're gonna fight like heck. And we've seen it. It's been just amazing what they're doing. But to turn our backs on them now is first of all, you know, we say, hey, we've given them all this money. Let's not pull the rug out from under them now. That's just would have been wasting money, but they've done so well and this is so important for the world in general in total that we want to keep that support going and get the rest of Europe to continue their support as well. And I will give Biden credit for that. He has been really good at keeping the rest of the the allies together. And of course, they understand it's their doorstep, but they have issues and challenges that we don't face, which are mostly around uh, energy and heating for the winter, upcoming winter and just energy in general.
0: Well, I'm I'm wearing my Saint Javelin shirt. We've been outspoken supporters of Ukraine from the beginning. We've also, I think, been ahead of the curve in 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 understanding the capacity of the Ukrainian people to not only defend but to win. And now they've galvanized, you know, most of the world behind them. Zelensky's leadership has been extraordinary, and I, I think an essential part of pulling pulling this apart. Yeah, and I think it. As we shift to the forward party, this is a different kind of of fight we're in now. Right. The lines Mm -hmm. have been drawn. We've talked about the existential threats to America and the stakes. Last time you were on the show, you know, you were kind of teasing that it was a debate. I think it was the first debate between Trump and Biden. I asked you if you'd stay a Republican. And you kind of said, well, we'll we'll see what happens right now. Mm -hmm. It's two years later. Uh, You've joined the Forward Party. I asked this before we hit record, but have you left the Republican Party? And and if not, will you and when and how? I am still a registered Republican
1: because Forward is not a registered party yet here in New Jersey. But as soon as it is, I will switch to the Forward Party because it represents my values. And again, as I said, it's different than other parties in that we welcome everybody. (laughs) We don't care whether you're liberal, conservative, moderate, and we know we're going to disagree. I mean, Heaven knows Andrew Yang and I are not on the same page in every, on every issue, and neither is David Jolly. And those were the three organizations run by the three of us that came together. And well, Ram actually wasn't run by me, but I was a part of it. I was a, one of the spokespersons for, it, you know, I guess, as much as anything else. But we came together because we recognize there's something more important than where we stand on abortion or guns or any of those things, as big as those issues are. And we also knew what I think most people intuitively understand, but are being told they can't believe, which is we're really not that far apart when you come to talk about Mm -hmm. individual issues. If you can get people to sit down and talk, we'll find there's common ground. They can find ways to move forward to solve these problems, but we're being told constantly that no, 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 that can't be. You have to hate the person if they disagree with you on this. And you can only be a Republican if you're pro-life to the extreme. You can only be a Democrat if you're pro-choice to the extreme. and that's not where the majority of American people are. And that's not where we are. We're recognizing you can agree to disagree on those things as long as you have those central principles, which I laid out earlier for you. Right. Um, those are what we believe in. And that's what holds us together.
0: You know, I, I think that Andrew Yang has been brilliant in his assessment of the problem. I think mm-hmm. that the, the challenge has been whether or not the prescription to that problem is the best one, the correct one, one worth investing people's time and money in it. And I think having you uh, adds lift and, and credibility. But I think there's also, in my view, th- there's kind of a branding problem for the forward party. And maybe that's a reflection of the environment because folks think it's Andrew Yang's party, right? And, yeah. and, and right, and, and I've said yeah. long before, you know, it's not about him personally, but independents like me and unaffiliateds you know, we're, we're, our spirit animal is not Andrew Yang. It's George right. Washington. Right? Yeah. And, right. And so and so I think Yang has has kind of gotten muddled in this because when pressed, what does the forward party stand for? He frankly hasn't articulated it as clearly as you have about the principles that you do stand for for rank choice voting, for open primaries, for civility. And I and I think that's important. But how do you wrestle with that? Where you don't have a, a Colin Powell, we don't have a Zelensky, you don't have a truly transformative figure that hasn't been with the other party before, right? Like there, there's a feeling that, you know, Yang, you, Jolly are, are maybe not truly independent, your Republicans or Democrats that just change jerseys. How do you deal with 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 almost a, a leaderless movement or a movement that has three heads? How do you square that circle with a with a country that will inevitably view a party through the prism of its anointed or appointed or elected leader.
1: We're going to change that. And what we're doing is we're working from the ground up. We are going to be, we have 99 active heads in 45 states right now. Those are people who have, we've only been going for a month now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, officially, we have about 23,000 volunteers across the country what we're doing is building from the grassroots up. We're starting in Houston on the 20th with a listening program. And that's what we're going to be doing across the country. We're going to be sitting down with groups of citizens saying, what are your major problems in your community? It's going to be different in Houston than Newark, let's say, but not what Washington tells you the problems are. What do you say they are? and How do you how do you want them addressed? And from that, we will hold after that, we will hold a, uh, a convention next summer. And we'll develop a platform, but it's not going to be the kind of platform that you have with the parties now that delineates absolutely everything in which you have to believe. And you can't be a a good Democrat if you believe in guns, um, you know, and vice versa. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be those basic principles that I have stated, then probably a few others that we'll tease out from these general conversations of what people overall want to see how they want to see problems solved. What we want to do in many ways is to get people to recognize that they have a stake in this and they have a way they can be heard and they they need to get reengaged. That's part of what our problem has been. And I think we talked about this before that, you know, when you only have 10 percent voter turnout in primaries, you're leaving it to the most, most partisan people who tend to be going off to the extremes. And that's why people, when they got to the general election, said, "Eh, I don't like either of my choices. I'm not voting. That's the dynamic we're trying to change, because that's unhealthy. And that's where we've gotten to with parties. It's why our founding fathers warned us about parties. I mean, George Washington warned us and even even uh, the other founding fathers were very skeptical of parties because they were afraid that exactly this would happen that parties would stop representing the people and only represent themselves. And their focus would not be on solving our problems. Their focus would be on staying in office. And so yeah. I'm really pleased. We had over 250,000 people, and these are old numbers. they probably changed, who have registered, given us their emails. And there have already been these leaders that I spoke about, the 99 heads in the 45 states, um, have had small meetings, and they've already had almost 5,000 people attend those meetings. So there's a hunger, as you said before, and as you well know, there's a hunger out there for this kind of thing, but we're different. We're not a traditional party, but we will run candidates if there are races where there, there are no other option other than one person. We'll have a candidate. If it's two extremes running against another, we'll put a candidate in. But if there's a moderate from, or not a moderate, but if there's a person who reflects our values from either the Republican or the Democrat or the independent party running, we'll stay out of it.
0: We don't want to be spoilers. Mm-hmm. See, I think I think what we're pulling apart is something that's imp- I've tried to come up with a comparison. And, and it's like it's like you guys are starting the, the, the you know, an, a new soccer league in, in America and you're saying like soccer is great. You know, we're going to change the rules a little bit. Um, but we're not going we don't know who our players are yet right and we've got some older players mm-hmm. that played in europe that are coming on over right but you haven't gotten a david right. beckham yet right, right. so the, the, it's not really yet clearly defined and i think there's a there's a concern that you you it will expand right there, mm-hmm. there's a focus on for example something that i think will unite people and is close to ranked choice voting open primaries maybe a public financing of campaigns the the, the mm-hmm. disruption of the duopoly. But I think like many others, I'm still left with, does that mean at your convention, you might say we are pro-choice or that you will support a candidate like Yang, who says, hey, I'm for universal well, first basic. Of all,
1: David, David has said seven ways from Sunday that he's yeah. not running in 2024. We're not focused on on the presidency. We may not have anybody in the presidency. In fact, if it's if it's a Biden-Trump, We probably wouldn't play at all because we don't want to be a spoiler that would in any way allow Donald Trump back into the White House. Uh, That's a real concern that we all share. So so
0: yeah, that's part of what I want to what I want to pull apart is I think folks are concerned about 2024. Right. And they want Mm -hmm. to have an influence on 2024. So maybe it's a two part question. Number one, when you get to that conference, is there going to be a point where you say, Here's our position on choice, here's our position on taxes, here's our position on, on guns, or are you gonna stick with we're just sitting them out? And then how do you square that with a default candidate that you do pick? And let's say it's Evan Evan McMullen is is maybe a bad example because he stayed pretty oh, he's, independent, right? But he's if it's one we're
1: Andrew, supporting. we're supporting him now right, heavily.
0: Right. So so if Andrew, if if Evan McMullen wins in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's going to be Evan McMullen will be king of the independents, and then it'll be you and Jolly and Yang are, are, are the are the, the also the, the the influencers of the independents. You'll be the foremost influential independents in the country. How quickly do you think you can get that farm team up, where we see other voices who say I'm not just a Republican or Democrat that changed jerseys. I am a true forward party person that came up in the farm system and is going to be true to those values and not, frankly go off course or go out on a limb on let's use choice as a radioactive example.
1: Yeah, well, that's exactly what we're doing. Um, we are vetting our candidates. We're vetting the people who come into the party to make sure that they understand what we are and what we stand for. And, you know, if, if Evan McMullen makes it through and if Evan McMullen decides he wants to run for president, but I don't think he'd do that with so little time under his belt in Washington, um, that would be a candidate we would support. Because he clearly, we do now, we are supporting him. The various organizations still have entities that they are they're pushing for. And Evan and, and other independent candidates, other independent candidates, there are other candidates. We've had a lot of, let me put it this way, we've had outreach from a lot of names that people would know who are very interested. And in. it's a question of timing as mm-hmm. to whether they, when they say they're forward. And obviously building a party takes a lot of time and a lot of money because getting on the ballot is different in every state. And, you know, I know, for instance, um, there are others who said, well, they're going to have a presidency. They're going to have a presidential candidate. That doesn't work unless you're on the ground right now doing the kind of work we're doing to get on the ballot in the states. It can be done. I was part of that an effort like that. Gee, must have been Ten years ago now, and we did get on the ballot in enough states to have the requisite number of of, uh, of votes to get into the presidential debates. And so the electoral votes. So, you know, that's the kind of thing you may see from a platform that we would take, let's say, an issue like protecting the Electoral College. If that bill doesn't pass, mm-hmm. that would probably be something that we might mm-hmm. take. But we're not going to say you have to be pro-choice, you have to be pro-life, because there's a, there are positions in the middle there where people can agree and we can start to peel back that onion and, and it's going to be different in different states. And we want everybody to start to get involved and we want everybody to go after the big issues. This is about our democracy. Our democracy sure. is bigger sure. than the issue of abortion or guns or anything like that. It, it really, truly is about our democracy, because if we lose respect for the rule of law and the constitution, We're in a very, very dangerous place.
0: Mm. You know, I think there's so many components of this that are compelling, and especially I think we've talked about this before. Roughly 50 percent of veterans consider themselves independent and unaffiliated. Mm -hmm. Um, They are a political jump ball. I am among that 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 community. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us are kind of sitting on the sidelines looking for options, trying to figure out where to put our limited resources. But we're also suspect of another party as the solution to the two parties. Right. I would Mm -hmm. argue that a party and multiple parties are part of a comprehensive solution for election reform and empowering independence. But what do you say to people who say I'm an independent, I'm unaffiliated? I don't trust Andrew Yang, Jolly and Todd Whitman and their politics. How how do you how do you appeal to those folks when, frankly, they see Andrew Yang on TV kind of getting beat up a lot? Right. Mm -hmm. And he's pushing forward a long term agenda and a strategy I know will have evolutions. And I'm rooting for that. But in the meantime, as you build this, how do you appeal to folks like that who say, I don't want any party and definitely not one run by Andrew Yang, who was a Democrat 10 months ago?
1: Well, again, all we can do is keep saying this is about the people and the people will be running it. And we are not taking those kinds of positions that drive people away. We're looking for ways and we have ways to bring people together. That's what it's about. None of the three of us are the heads per se. There'll be heads in every state. There'll be people in every state and organizations and groups in every state that will be driving this bus. Um, But we have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the three of us were very involved, if not the heads of, as, as David and Andrew were, of Two of the organizations that, again, were moving to try to get the respective parties back to the center, as was the Renew America movement, of which I was a part. And that's where we've come together because we all decided that, look, we have got to get the country back to the center. And it's going to be driven by the public. That The reason we're in the place we are, I believe, is because the public... We got lazy, I guess, is the way to say it. We kind of assumed we'd always have what we have now and that the, the things we considered normal behavior were going to stay normal behavior. And we had guardrails. They were going to work. They weren't legal guardrails, but they were just understood guardrails. They all got blown away big time during the Trump presidency. And we're trying to get back to that now, but without having to say we have to pass a law to do it from Washington. We need the because the, that's not going to work unless right. the public believes in it and the public is willing to work with us on this.
0: Ma'am, I know I've got to let you go, but I have two final questions. One is, you know, I, I see a national security piece opportunity. Right. We've talked about how folks who mm-hmm. care about national security come from the veterans, first responders uh, community, a big part of our of our audience here. Are there any uh, McRaven has been was in the David Brooks article, as mentioned as the possible candidate that the forward party or third party could choose. Are there any uh, high visibility former military folks that are currently supporting forward or that may be coming soon that would change that uh, public image of what the forward party is?
1: Uh, There's some that have been talking to the various leaders, but none who are ready to be fully associated yet. But I think we'll get there. I think we'll get through this election cycle and you'll see some of those starting to come forward.
0: I'm excited to see. We've had Admiral Mike Mullen on the show, who we know was vetted as VP for Bloomberg. We've Mm -hmm. had Admiral Admiral Stravides on the show who said he's an independent. I think if you all end up landing someone like that, the perception of forward party and the support, especially from the military and veterans community, will, 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 will change dramatically. Related to that, we just passed another anniversary of 9-11. I had you on last time soon after 9-11, and we talked about that. Um, You catch a lot of heat every year around this time, and I gave you an opportunity to address that last time. You know, I am blocks away from the World Trade Center site. Uh, We continue to see long-term health effects uh, for folks, not only first responders, but students at Stuyvesant and so many others. 21st year uh, anniversary of of 9-11. Do you have a a message or any reflections on on that moment?
1: Oh, I do always. Um, It was a searing moment, I think, for anyone who was an American, and particularly because I lost a lot of friends and my son was living down there. And then I had the responsibility at EPA. And all I can say again is that everything that I said was based on the best scientific knowledge that we had at the time. And Always, try, We were always trying to get the first responders, those on the pile, to wear respirators. We knew that was going to be dangerous. We were telling them that was dangerous, um, but we didn't have the authority to mandate it. And that was the frustration. That was the city. They, had, they were the primary responder. And so we couldn't do it. Um, as I mentioned to you before, you didn't see that down at the Pentagon because the military controlled that and they didn't let anybody near that site unless they were in full hazmat. Um, it made a difference. Uh, but the scientists were very firm in saying the way the airflow worked in Manhattan, lower Manhattan in general. I mean, remember, people couldn't come back into the buildings until they'd been cleaned up and the apartments had been cleaned up. they weren't allowed back in for quite a while. Again, we couldn't clean the buildings, but we did offer to do that. We being the Environmental Protection agency, if people wanted us in and to test for them. But um, the scientists kept saying they didn't see anything that would tell them, that there would be long term health negative impacts and for air quality in lower manhattan in general but people on the pile the first responders
0: absolutely mm. so I, I was one of them if you had i was there right on that if you had it all to do it again would you would you have done it differently Well, I certainly would have
1: answered the question differently and probably been more outspoken about on the pile. You had to wear a respirator. I still have to rely. I'm not a scientist. So I had to rely on the scientists and the data was being collected, don't forget, by the city, by the state, by a hospital and by us and probably some others as well. And we were collating all that data to try to come up with what was safe to say. That was my first question to the we had a, every morning there was a meeting and my first question to them was, what can I say safely? What is safe? Mm. What what can I say that's backed up by science? And I said what they gave me, but I would answer the question differently. It was always about how, air quality in lower Manhattan. So I answered that and I had the responders second. I mm. always answered it, but mm. it was always second. And I probably should have reversed that and said, well, on the pile, they've got to wear it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we—I know it's down there, It wouldn't have stopped us. I mean, like everybody no. would have been down there, you know. And uh, the idea of a respirator—I mean, we we definitely couldn't get those things down there. But I think there's there's so much to be learned with now the distance and time, um, yeah. and, and and I think that your perspective is is exceptionally valuable. Uh, especially as we just passed the pact act to talk about burn pit and toxin exposures. We knew that, that we'd have to repeat some of those conversations. John Stewart blew it all apart, but we're going to need John Stewart for decades to come. We're going to need you for decades to come. And the challenge you're taking on now is, Is a huge one, and it's a messy one, and it's an important one. And I am rooting for you. I am, I am, I am, I am going to ask you to fight for me to to support you know the forward party. And and if if the compelling case is made, you know, me and others will join. Until then, I appreciate all your leadership, all your tenacity, and I hope you'll come back on the show and and get Yang to come on sooner than two and a half months from now. Okay, I'll pester (laughs) for that.
1: I'll get on for that. But that'll be my challenge now. You personally. To get you personally to say you'll join the forward party.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, we're, we're a giant jump ball and there, there are millions of us and we're watching and and we're we're, we're listening. And uh, many of us inevitably will be a part of it. But we've all got to be united as best we can to get through this next couple of years. Thank you again for coming back on the show, ma'am, and, and for all your leadership. Well, thank you. And
1: thank you for all you've done for the country.
0: Thank you, ma'am. Stay vigilant. There it is. My thanks to Governor Christy Todd Whitman for joining us. She is not perfect. She'll be among the first to admit it. But she's a person who cares, a person who has served for decades, and a person who's trying. She's always been a helper, and she's a helper now. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines, Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. The helpers are out there. We see it every single day. So look for the helpers. I'm posting about them all the time on social using the hashtag look for the helpers. This week, our friend Rex Chapman, who joined us on this show, the NBA legend, posted a good one that I shared. There was a soccer match between Barcelona and Cadiz that was paused on Saturday when a fan went into cardiac arrest. There was a heart attack in the stands. And one of the medical teams ran into the stands with a defibrillator and a monitor and started resuscitation. At that point, FC Barcelona offered a second defibrillator just in case. And Cadiz goalkeeper, Jeremiah Ledizma, sprinted over to the stands to help out. There were photos and video of him catching the device from the staff and running across the soccer field to the medical team before tossing it into the stands. The man regained consciousness after a few minutes and was taken to an ICU. But a soccer player in the middle of a massive match stopped to help. It's another example of the helpers. They're out there. Check out the hashtag Look for the helpers on Twitter and social media and share yours. Share them. I see them. I'll retweet them. And maybe I'll talk about them on this show. And while you're on social, play guest the guest every Wednesday night. Last night, I posted a mysterious picture that involved Christy Todd Whitman. Did any of you guess it? Find out on social media. Check us out, and I will let you know if anyone guessed the guest. You should also check out, of course, independentamericans.us. You can see video of my conversation with Christy Todd-Whitman. You can hear my first episode with her from two years ago. You can hear the recent episode with Pat Ryan and the very popular special 9-11 episode we did last week. Thank you to all of you for sharing your comments and sharing your feedback. And if you go to the website and watch the video of my conversation with the governor... You can also see inside my New York City apartment. I am back. I am finally back in the city, and my apartment is full of tons of boxes and lots of kid shit, toys everywhere. Check out the video, and you'll see more and get all our past episodes all at independentamericans.us. You can also find out how to join our Patreon community. Join the Independent Americans community, the vigilant, the very vigilant, the most vigilant. Big shout out to all our Patreon members that help make this show possible. Thanks to them, Righteous is continuing to bring you the five eyes in all our podcasts and everything we do. Independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. And it comes to you thanks to the mighty Righteous Media team, creative Chris Rosenthal, brilliant Bill Schultz, and precise Paula Hernandez. And it also comes to you thanks to my amazing wife and two boys who are with me back in the city celebrating the September start and celebrating... Coming back home. Yeah, yeah, I'm up Brooklyn. Now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the narrow, but I'll be hood forever. I'm the new Sinatra, and since I made it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, they love me everywhere. I used to cut yep. we're back in New York City. After two and a half years in an undisclosed location in the mountains, we are back in New York City, and school is back, soccer is back, football is back. But September in New York City is especially awesome. I think it's my favorite month of all. The Yanks are winning, the Mets are winning, the Giants are winning, hockey's about to start, NBA will start soon, the weather's great, and in a couple of weeks, the 2020 Tunnel to Towers 5K walk and run will be happening. If you don't know about this run, Please check it out. It's held each year on the last Sunday of September in New York. It started out in 2002 with 1,500 people and is now one of the top 5K runs in America with tens of thousands of people. The event symbolizes New York City firefighter Stephen Siller's final footsteps from the foot of the Battery Tunnel to the Twin Towers and pays homage to the 343 FDNY firefighters law enforcement officers, and thousands of civilians who lost their lives on September 11th. Proceeds from the event support the foundation's programs, including those benefiting first responders and catastrophically injured service members. It's September 25th, 9 a.m. It starts in Brooklyn in the early morning, and thousands of people unite, celebrate, and go on a journey together through the tunnels to emerge just under the footsteps of the new Freedom Tower. It is amazing. It is inspiring. It is awesome. You can be a fantastic runner. You can be a terrible runner. You can be a walker, whatever it is. But come on out and join us. I will be there. And I hope you will be there too. You can find a link in the show notes or go to t2t.org. That's tango, the number two, tango.org. It's another way you can be a helper. And it's another way you can stay more connected to your community, your country, and this crew of independent Americans, I hope I'll see you there. And I hope you'll stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is still the price of freedom. And no, you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant. And we're all in this together from Ukraine to New Jersey, from Brooklyn to lower Manhattan, from the liberating forces all across Ukraine to firefighters all across America. From Jurassic Five and Dave Matthews to Jay-Z and Alicia Keys. From Governor Christie Todd Whitman to you. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. A down with Putin, Slava Ukraini, and stay vigilant, America. Righteous Media.